Well, so glad that you can join us. And um, this morning, it's a very interesting message. You never know. I usually like to start the new year off with like a series or whatever, you know, just keep uh, piping it out and go with a big, huge vision right off the bat. Um, I haven't had a chance to slow down and and think long term yet. And uh, I've started to do that. But this Sunday wasn't the Sunday to jump into something new without any warning. It clearly wasn't the Sunday to jump into a big new series, as we were missing a few people today. Um, But I was inspired to uh, present this message today, and it's a very different way than I've ever done one before. Uh, Last week, or at least I think, last week during Sunday school class, my wife Jackie shared something that she has shared with us before. Uh, Our previous pastor in Oklahoma had a saying, what's true in the light is true in the dark. I had not heard this saying firsthand as I was not usually in the sanctuary for, her, for his messages. I wasn't a slacker. I was the kid's pastor. So I'm running around, as I said in Sunday school this morning, jumping and singing and shouting in the kid's church. Um, but she heard it as she got to go to, uh, as we used to call it, big church, right? Um, and she heard it and has repeated it and shared it with us. Um, but the heart of this saying, as I understand it, is that, Even when you're going through dark and uncomfortable times, God's promises are still true. He is unchanging. And I want to unpack this a bit this morning. As I was thinking about it, it occurred to me that I should look look up and see if uh, if a scripture passage inspired this saying. Uh, and as I dug and I dug, I couldn't find anything that was like word for word. You know, some sayings are almost just a, a hair off from the actual scripture reference or whatever. I couldn't find one word for word. And I had, I had to stop and think some more. Imagine that, preparing for a sermon and stopping and thinking. It's amazing. So as the more I thought about it, the more I realized it, it truly was a reflection on life and God's faithfulness to his promises. You see, rather than a Bible verse to memorize and live by, it was a wise saying drawn from observations from the Bible and from our lives today. What does it speak into our circumstances? Well, let me, paint, uh, let me take you through a rapid-fire review of God's promises, our problems, and what his word assures us about both of them, just to give us a start. And then uh, closer towards the end, we'll look at David and how God and his promises were not just there in the good times and in the times he was, but also in the times he was so filled with sorrow, where God's promises were true, not only when he could see them clearly, but also when it was hard to see. You see, God is faithful No matter what, he's faithful to be, and then here's a few things that you can do fill in the blanks today. He's faithful to be Lord. No matter who is in political power, God is on the throne. Isaiah 41.10 in the ESV, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So he is faithful to be Lord. He's also faithful to be consistent. Hebrews 13, 8 NIV says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. So he's Lord. He's consistent. He's faithful in those things. And you know what? The other equation, part of this equation is our feelings, right? But you know what? No matter what your feelings are or your emotions, God is still faithful. But let's look at a few of these potential feelings or emotions that you or I might go through and address them piece by piece, okay? This is not the whole breath, the whole amount of human emotions. I can't do that. That would be a very long sermon. But just a few to get us started. How about feeling unloved? The truth that cuts through this one, God's response is, hey, you are loved by God. God says, I love you. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Feeling unloved? God loves you. Are you depressed? Are you depressed? Guess what? God wants to be your comfort. And you know what? Jesus does call the Holy Spirit the comforter, so that's pretty apparent. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 in the ESV says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are our who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you see the word comfort too many times in that verse? It was a lot. But let me unpack this one for you just a little bit more than just reading it. You see, God comforts us, and then that enables us to pass along that holy comfort to others in the here and now, in this life. That is good news. Because not only are we being comforted, but it's for a purpose so that we can then turn around and comfort somebody else. Uh, Do you feel as if you're unforgivable? God strongly disagrees with that. The proof is in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nobody is beyond if they are willing to confess their sins. What about, in a similar sense, do you beat yourself up for bad or dumb decisions, whether they were sin or whether they were just really bad choices and now you're, you're living in a world of regret? I mean, we all make mistakes. We choose wrongly and feel guilt and regret. After repentance, we can be equipped with God's wisdom if we just ask. First, or excuse me, First James. James 1.5 ESV, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Do you feel as if you are hopelessly lost in your sin? That it's just so, part of, so much a part of you? Do you feel you just, you've got to be accepted this way. There's no changing it. I've been this way all of my life. You know, if somebody really loves me, they're just going to have to accept this thing. Well, guess what? God wants you to be equipped to reject and empowered to reject sin 
and follow Jesus' pattern for life. There is a way out of the sin trap. You don't have to be stuck in that life. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In just a moment, we're going to look at highlights from David, King David, if you will, son of Jesse. We're going to look at his story here. But before that, I want to read to you two of his writings. He wrote a lot but I want to just read two of his writings. Usually um, in song and poetry, we find ways to communicate our feelings and what we believe and trust in. Even in spite of our feelings and circumstances, we can say and speak out these things that we affirm. Psalm 23, often read at funerals. Uh, one of the key words today is sorrow, and we'll, we'll hear a song about that towards the end that highlights that word a bit. But I want to share this, these six verses, one of the most popular, well-known uh, chapter in Psalm, only has six verses. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now let's turn. So he starts off that one with the Lord is my shepherd. Let's look at at chapter 20, excuse me, Psalm 27. David starts out a little similar, but a little different in this one. A little bit longer. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will, be, will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his trouble or in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surrounded who surround me at his tabernacle will i sacrifice with shouts of joy i will sing and make music to the lord hear my voice when i call o lord be merciful to me and answer me 
My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have, you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That was Psalm 27. We can see the promises of God being reaffirmed through Scripture. And the book of Psalm is, Psalms is rife with them. So let me just kind of give you an overview, a reminder, if you will, of David and the things that he went through. Some of these are going to seem very obviously negative. A few of them are you know, pretty positive, but they might have negative um, blowback, if you will. First thing, youngest son in a large family. Youngest son in a large family. He risked his life for his flock. Well, that's a good thing to do, but he put himself in danger in order to save animals. He was anointed king, woo, but not his brothers. And I can't imagine they were happy about that. He served King Saul. That sounds like a pretty good job. And was the king's son's best friend. However, Saul went crazy and tried to kill David twice, throwing a spear at him. Saul then hunt, also hunted David down. Saul finally gave up. And David was on the run this whole time. David was pressured to kill King Saul when he had the opportunity. It would have been so easy. You know, some people would say, oh, it's God's will. This is a great opportunity. You can take it. David's best friend, Jonathan, died in battle alongside his father, King Saul. Made him very sad. David assumes the throne and later, of course, has lots of family issues. He had a child out of wedlock. Gets even worse. He had an affair with the wife of one of his soldiers, hence the baby. He leaves the soldier to die on the, battle, on the battlefield so then he could marry the dead man's wife. The baby dies as a consequence of this brazen disobedience. One of David's sons, Absalom, is towards the end of 2 Samuel, tries to take the throne from him. Uh, he successfully drives David from his home and battles David's men. David still doesn't want his son killed, but guess what? When the opportunity presented itself, the soldiers did it anyway. And this causes David to mourn greatly, full of sorrow for his son, even though his son threatened to his rule and his life. Later, another one of David's sons tries to assume the throne, and David picks a different son to take over the throne. All of this and more, there's so much more to it, but that's just some of the highlights that I could pick out if I was to kind of summarize the bullet points of his life. 
and the ups and downs. I, I skip completely over killing the giant, standing up there. That was a big moment in his life, a big, gigantic moment. But there's a lot of these downsides of things that could really get him down. This one man's life, and we just get the highlights. But yet, as poetry suggests, he never gave up on God, knowing God would never give up on him. David was keenly aware that God was faithful. And this was David's story. Even through the sorrow, even through the dark times, God is always faithful. So I ask you today, I'm going to give you a moment or two to think through this, and you can take this home and work on it at home as well. But I just, just for the sake of the message today, I want you to consider a few things. I have it listed here in the bulletin. What would it look like if you wrote down some of the highlights of your life? When you meet somebody or you want to get acquainted with them, you tell them some basic things to get a little bit closer. You might tell them a little bit more, less basic, a little bit more personal. And we kind of go through that. So I want you to fill in the blank in your mind. You don't have to say this out loud because we're all going to have different answers. But if I was to say the phrase, the word born with the line at the end of it, what would you write in there? Put the year of your birth, the location, the situation of the home that you were born into. What would you write there? The next blank, grew up blank. Would you like poor, well off, working class, confused, lonely, happy? What if I asked you to name one major thing that defined your childhood? What could that be? One major thing that defined your childhood. This, last, this next one's going to be a little hard. Summarize your last three or four years in one to two words. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean. But if you could give these last three or four years of your life and summarize it into two words, what would it be? Do you have a happiest moment of your life? What would that be? How about the saddest moment of your life? And then this last question here, really, what defines if your life has been good or bad? You, you and I know that a lot of people go, oh, well, they had a good life. It's usually somebody outside reflecting on someone else's life. But, you know, you could say that I had a good life or uh, my life was not so great. Probably wouldn't say bad. We want to be optimistic. But what would define your life as being good or bad? I wonder. And then I think my last question here for you and I today is, where's God's faithfulness in those moments of your life? Look back. If you've written them, if you're just thinking through them, where do you see God's faithfulness in those moments of your life? We could look back at David's, for example, 
God was faithful to find a righteous man who just happened to be a boy at the time to become king and anointed him the runt of the family. (laughs) Even though his life was threatened multiple times, God was always watching out for him. So, in your own story, where's, where do you see God's faithfulness in those moments of your life? You see, when we are consumed by emotions, feelings, they can blind us to the truth. You know, we don't need the candles or even probably the lights on in here to be able to see in this building. It's just nice to have a little bit of extra light. It's nice and bright outside. We have beautiful windows. Um, But if it was dark in here, we'd want a little bit of light to see the thing in front of us, our bulletin, our Bible. Um, We still would know that the bulletin and the Bible are there, even if we couldn't see it. The song I'm going to play for you here in a moment has a line in it, and it says, and the song is called What's True in the Light, which is the name of the sermon today. And... One of the lines in it says, my emotions are useful, but they're not gospel. My troubled mind is sinking sand, but you, talking about God, are ever faithful. Just to point out some very relevant, practical, and timely examples of us believing and living out Bible-based truth, continue to put this in context, the sorrow that we feel when we heard of Dr. Donnelly's illness and then later his passing. Or those of you who knew Pastor Blair, a family family friend and ministry colleague of mine also passed away the same time as Dr. Donnelly. And recently we had to say goodbye to one of our pets, our third one in not so long a time. I think back to just a couple of years and unfortunately, Witnessing a coworker have a mental breakdown at work and then later finding out that he died. When I want to sink down into the depths of hopelessness and depression because the overwhelming weight of loss that I have experienced, the stress of the day, the demands of the week, guess what I've got to do instead? I've got to hold on the promises of God, those promises we talked about earlier. And you can find even more than what I highlighted at the beginning of my sermon. I have the chorus right here of the song I'm going to play for you here in just a moment. The chorus says, what's true in the light is true in the darkness. Though sorrow is real, you won't let it break us. So we sing in the night and trust in your promises. You're true in the light and true in the darkness. When we can't see (laughs) a foot or two in front of our face because of all the sorrow and darkness and mixed emotions that we are feeling in our day-to-day life, they are useful. They're not gospel. What's true? His word is true. Who is his word? Jesus. 
who would never leave us nor forsake us. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to play that song for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for always being with us. And I pray that as we listen to this song today to conclude our service, that you would speak to our hearts. Our hearts that want to gravitate. (laughs) Gravity shifts everything down, right? And, And our emotions and our feelings always want to just drag us down in sorrow and depression and hopelessness. And I pray that you would help us to know that even in the midst of those times, you are still true. Your promises still hold fast. And whether we're discouraged or depressed, you still are holding us and walking with us through this whole thing. There is light. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.